Is this thing on? I hope so, and if so, hello, and welcome back to the Hammer Barn Project. As always, uh, Frank's here. Uh, Frank is here. How is everybody? I'm good. How's Marty? He's here as well. He is. I'm also good, and also here. Hi, guys. Bonus. Well, we use the terms here loosely today, <laughs> because as is the same all around the country, Our little podcast is not immune to uh, pandemic restrictions, so this is the first time that we're recording all in separate places, and I'm using my own mic, and I had to set up my own tech, so um, I think Frank's going to give me marks on that later, on how I did. Yep. But if it sounds a little bit different, that's why. Yeah, meanwhile, all the Sydney, Melbourne listeners are just like, come on, guys, we've been doing this for weeks. Yeah. We've been doing separate podcasts for ages. <laughs> like, I've been doing this separately for a long, yeah. long time. Yeah, exactly. And like goes into a seven-day lockdown and all of a sudden the world's ending. Yeah, why was I expecting Frank to help me out? Marty's the expert in doing it all by himself because you've been over there the whole time. Us Adelaide boys are very new to this uh, having to be in our own places sort of thing. But let's not get caught up in that. Let's talk about about the best TV show on TV. This episode of The Hammerbarn Project is called Baking Point. What show is that? Well... Refresh my memory. If I have to spell it out by now... Ah, <laughs> uh, this episode of Bluey is called Duck Cake. Oh, man. There is so much in this episode. <laughs> I did rewatch it. I know we were speaking earlier, Frank, mm. and I hadn't rewatched it and I hadn't done my homework because I thought I knew it well enough. Mm-hmm. I'm glad in just the little time, the extra time that it was taking me to set up, <laughs> I had it on in the background. Nice. And there is really a lot happening. And I won't go into it uh, because I will later, but I want it to be barked down professionally by the man who does the bare bones, Marty. Obviously. This episode is a sociocultural breakdown of the mythos surrounding the Australian's Woman's Weekly Children's Birthday Cake Book, <laughs> as described by Tony Rizon in her article, Eating It To the Icing on the Birthday Cake. Uh, so just quoting from the abstract here, the history of confectionery is mostly identified with the devaluation of sugar and its shift from the masculine public sphere to the feminine private sphere. But wedding cakes and children's birthday cakes descended from the elaborate sugar sculptures that were festive emblems of rank and banquet tables of medieval courts. That was all from memory, folks. Like, he didn't, he yeah, didn't yeah, just yeah, read yeah, that. Yeah, I'm not reading off a screen at all. <laughs> yeah, he's pretending to yeah, so, yeah. That, uh, so that he looks normal. But his eyes are closed. That's bad pretending. <laughs> The Australian's Women's Weekly Children's Birthday Cake Book uses common confectionery as cake decorations. Sugar was once a magical substance in an ordinary world, and by endowing cakes with an appeal similar to that of toys, these cakes excite visual pleasure and create childhood memories through artistry and spectacle. <laughs> Where are you reading this from? <laughs> so what is this again? <laughs> this, is a, this was a paper written by Tony Rizon. Um, the reason I know about this is because I actually went to a conference presentation where she gave this paper. <laughs> that was a really good paper. You went to the conference that heavily involved the Women's Weekly uh, birthday cake book, book that cookbook, all yeah, yeah. mums had yes, when we exactly. were young. Yeah, <laughs> it comes with your house. No, it was the Australian Australasian, sorry, Australasian uh, Pop Culture Conference. Oh, cool. And yeah, they had a food section. So I was there doing something on games and they had a whole bunch of other, you know, like films and TV shows and food. So and I am fashion. genuinely interested in this now. <laughs> um, <laughs> when was the conference and when was this article oh, written? No. Or was I'm this- not sure if I've copied the date, but it would have been uh, six or seven years ago. Right. But yeah, right. basically, the thing I can remember from uh, Tony's paper was. 
the fact that the Women's Weekly cookbook sort of changed cake making from yes. the mm-hmm. intent being the beautiful interior of the cake, you know, like old flavors and all this sort of stuff into it's a sponge cake, exactly the same sponge cake every time, cut up in different ways and using really easy, ready to find decorations in the form of lollies yeah. and stuff like that. Like jet planes. Yeah, like the aeroplanes, you know, <laughs> like the skirt of, you know, where you put the Barbie in, all those sorts of things. Changing it from this very advanced sort of thing into something that parents could do. But she was also talking about all the social stuff around it, like how parents do practice cakes because it's really <laughs> important you have the right cake on the day for the kids and for the parents because yeah, it's do. this you know social keeping up with the joneses sort of scenario of Absolutely. having the good right cake on the day which is played out in the episode so the episode is really about excuse marty's diversion onto the australians women's weekly <laughs> no that was 100 percent my fault as well because i just was <laughs> asking questions before you'd even finished. but you know what's the episode really about bluey doesn't want to clean up and uh, bandit fails as a patisserie chef and i think that's a good point that it is bandit's the one failing in the kitchen again this show sort of flipping what you would consider the gender stereotypes of mum being in the kitchen and all that sort of stuff and and it's even sort of you think it's going to go in that direction right at the start when they're flipping through the book and chili's pointing out the various cakes you know oh this one's got jet planes and hands the book to bandit goes good luck and he's like what why do i have to make it and then you know off chili goes so again subverting expectations A couple of things. We really need to spell out how huge this book actually is. I'm so glad it got mentioned because (laughs) I was certain in my own brain that it was just such a huge thing when we were kids. But now I've got the scholar Marty backing me up on this because um, (laughs) for anyone, I don't know if any international listeners who might not be familiar with the Women's Weekly magazine, which originally was a weekly magazine, but now it's monthly, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but it's still called Women's Weekly and has been for God knows how long. Mm. And they always had this book with just like a list of every kind of themed kids birthday cake you can think of. And there is a copy in my kitchen right now. And Erin used it recently for Nora's second birthday cake. Um, She sort of took it and did her own thing with it, I believe. But yay, that's that's the whole point. The other thing, speaking to the gender roles, I love how they actually directly call that out <laughs> when they say, "What well, I have to do it. Like, yeah, I've got to take bingo to, what is it, junior hockey? Mini, mini hockey. Mini yeah. hockey. And she says, besides, you know, remember the clown cake I made? <laughs> that moment where they all freeze? They're directly <laughs> spelling out that, no, the gender roles don't have to be what they traditionally are, That's especially right. because Chili was terrible. Chili was just cake. as much of a failure, <laughs> maybe more so, as Bandit ends up feeling uh, later on, even though. You know, at the end, no spoilers, it is accepted by Bingo. And just a little bit of cool rephobia there for everyone, the fear of clowns. Yeah. When we, <laughs> when we, that was, was not, not a, a funny, funny clown. clown. <laughs> so good. They're just that moment, they all just like in sync. They'll have to watch it again, but is there even like a sound sting? I think there's there? a music cue. Yeah, music that stops. One. It just sort of yeah. winds down really fast. And uh, I feel like I'm part of that uh, that fear now. They've just, they shared it so well. The little animation action, you know, why did you pick the duck cake? Mm. I was like, oh, it made my tail whack, which is a thematic thing for the episode and then chili very quickly goes can't argue with that shuts the book and slaps it into her (laughs) can't argue with that it's just kind of like and i'm out of here which (laughs) chili has a little bit of a habit of doing there's quite there's a few different moments where she's just like and i'm going for a run i'm out of here i gotta go deliver this i gotta go do that dumps bandit in it whatever the problem might be 
I love that it's just such a statement on what kids uh, are really like. Like, it goes through <laughs> all these cakes that you would swear that Bingo would pick. Mm. Like, the princess, you know, she'd be into that. Mm, or, so English yeah, Or the not. jet planes that dad loves. <laughs> oh, the jet planes. And all these other ones that you think, oh, surely she's going to. And then the duck, famously, as Bandit refers to it later, the hardest of all cakes. <laughs> and it's just so classic. You see it time and time again where, for some reason, Today, it might not be the same story next week or it might not have been the same story the week before, but this kid has just got a fixation with this thing. Yeah. You can't explain <laughs> why the kid wants this thing, yep. but that is the most important thing. That that cake is the cake for me right now. <laughs> and there's no arguing, even if it is the hardest of all cakes. You mentioned, Marty, about the themes of this episode with a, it made my tail wag, which oh, is basically a, don't get me this started. thing or this event made me happy. And you, they, as kids, they don't fully understand why, which leads into probably my favourite moment of the episode. Yep. As Chili and Bingo are leaving, Bingo has one of her existential questions that she's quite well <laughs> known for and goes, Mom, how do animals without tails know that they're happy? And then that's where it's left. You don't get any sort of resolution to that. And so I don't know about you. Chili just responds, um, yeah, oh, good question, Bingo. (laughs) It is a great question. As the viewer, you're sitting there going, well, how do they know? (laughs) You're going through all the different animals that don't have tails and you just go, but what about like, you know, geckos? They have tails. They don't wag their tails when they're happy. Maybe they do. I've just never seen it. Like, there's just so much you could dig into that. I love that you went there. My immediate thing is just like, humans don't have tails. Yeah, How do we humans- tell when we're happy? <laughs> I even love the starting sequence where they're just in the room playing like Matchem or whatever it is, like flip the cards, paired two. I don't do whatever name you would like to call that game. And they just have the fixed gaze on what they're doing, despite the fact that they're being called into the other room. Like, no, do we have to? And they're just looking at what they're doing. Because it involves cake, they're off. (laughs) Great squeals in this episode. And it's also, that's how it was, you know, when you get to choose the cake from the Women's Weekly book. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Well, question for real life. What cakes did you guys have from the book? Or train. Train. I'm sure it was the train. I'm fairly sure I had the train at some stage. I, I don't know if I had the train or my brother had the one train. Of your rel- yeah. I reckon I remember seeing the train in a video from like mm. my brother's second or third birthday before I was born. But we had the VHS and I just wanted to be there at the party. I was very angry that I wasn't born yet, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I remember there was a race car track, which of ah, course yes. classically is done it in the figure eight. eight. Yeah, because nice. you can do the road and with you know little cars dotted around it. There, I remember that one. Man, I feel like that I had the train. I don't know if I'm just like creating that from the front cover, which is the train, which they reproduce in the episode. Mm. Um, I remember having the six though, which is the aeroplanes. Nice, yeah, Jet very planes. clearly remember that one. But I think I might have even had the car. And if you look anywhere online, and there's references, particularly when season two finally dropped in America and the UK and the like, there was people in real life, for real life, trying to reproduce the duck cake. People have actually made it. They had a photo. And that even even people who actually knew what they were doing, who were quite skilled at making cakes, deliberately sort of mushed their head and just so nice. it looked as close as possible to, to what's represented in the show. You can make the neck bit the sort of head. <laughs> it just happened to come up at my work the other day and people were actually talking about how they were traumatised by 
pulling the Barbie doll out of the cake leg thing and the fact that their their parents had cut the Barbie in half or something to go in the cake. So, like, trauma around these cakes is real. Actually, now that you say that, I remember being a kid and just going, what happened with the legs or is the entire Barbie in there? What do you do with it when you're trying to eat it? So, yeah, I think you really can break Australians by bringing this up. (laughs) I think we We have. We we all have some deeply seeded memories. For better or worse, yeah. Around like what cake we did get or didn't get, <laughs> what happened with the cake. And now, Marty, in your and my cases, we uh, we're on the receiving end of that because in oh, a couple man. of years. They're going to look at that cookbook and go, I want that one. And you're like, really? Because that's the hardest of all cakes. And I tell you what, as far as a bandit's skills in the kitchen and, you know, some of his, I'll just cut this gently, boom, goes all the way through. Or, oh, you're supposed to do icing at the end. Ah, it doesn't matter. That That's 100% me. Like, I will have this book that has perfectly clear and legitimate, easy to read and follow instructions, and I'll find a way to mess it up, you know, whether that's beheading a duck or- If anyone can. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going- Oh, man, this is a Back to the Future moment. It's a preview of my future to come. <laughs> I love the cake set up. It's got the vanilla essence, which you can see dripped <laughs> in at some point. It's very clearly that. Yep. In terms of like the moments where Bandit's trying to make it, when he's trying to get the steak out of the box and they just all come out, he's got this <laughs> moment where he's trying to position the head and they just all come out. Like, <laughs> that is exactly what happens. You're like, okay, I can't take <laughs> the focus out of this. So anything's going to happen. You said the word moment. There is a moment that Bandit has. But before we get to that, I have to talk about two things. One of which I feel qualified to talk about, one of which I definitely don't. The thing that I do feel qualified about talking about is going back to the tail wagging thing because it's just the idea of being so obviously happy about stuff. I love the way they broach that. And uh, without rolling up any newspapers in other episodes, just a tail wagging is a really good button on a scene and it's really sweet, but they've never addressed it. And I was such a fan of that mechanic that they use, especially with some of Bluey's friends at school when someone says something nice or something and a tail starts to wag and you don't mm. you don't need anything more than that. And it's yeah. really I must have seen those episodes before this one because they really it really becomes a feature of this. And it's great the moment that Bluey notices it. Mm. Like when she helps Bandit without any bargaining, without mm. any, oh this is what I'm gonna get, this is what I'm gonna get. Yep. And when Bandit has his moment that I mentioned mm. uh, and she goes oh no and just helps and then he has that moment <laughs> you know I think we've all been there Honestly, and you guys can uh, I'll, I'll turn it over to you in a moment to speak about the moments where you you had that moment but uh, <laughs> I love when Bluey just takes it upon herself she sees her dad's having a moment and takes it upon herself to help and he goes oh did you clean this up oh thanks Bluey and her tail starts to wag and she sees it and goes oh she's surprised by it and it's just because they're dogs, you can obviously sell this idea of this really nice moment where she realizes that a good deed is its own reward. Mm. And the episode finishes her with her doing the thing that was never part of the bargain that she had to do and clean up Bingo's half of the toys. And her tail is wagging like yep. nobody's business. <laughs> but I did start talking about that moment that uh, Bandit has without speaking about the thing that I don't feel qualified to speak about, uh, <laughs> but is a huge part of this episode. Just the idea of that bargaining uh, <laughs> part of of parenthood the stuff that i'm sure and once again don't listen to my ideas if you don't want to because i'm not a parent (laughs) but the idea of like bandit going into that with all the best intentions and then he goes through every different kind of gamification uh, parenting style when the 
previous one fails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it all comes down to, like a lot of things in life, it all comes down to money at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. It all comes down to food because it's lick the beater. Yes, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, that does, in the mind of uh, a six-year-old, that does trump the monetary issue, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, you are mine. Speaking of the money stuff, I love the use of money. He's like, oh, two whole dollar bucks. I could buy a sparkle pony. And then she asks Ben, he goes, how much is it for a sparkle pony? And he's like, oh, they're $50. <laughs> so how many can I get? Because <laughs> she doesn't quite understand <laughs> yeah. what 50 is. That's right. She's trying to do the maths in her head and she doesn't understand how two equals 50. And I love that Bandit gives up on doing the maths. He's just like, nah, mate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that whole list of things that he goes through, because first he just tries to appeal to um, Louis's good nature. You got to tidy this up first. And then <laughs> and then he goes, I'm about to start doing it. Trying to guilt Bluey like, who could have guessed that Blue would just stand and they're motionless. Yeah. Sarcasm. It's the blank look. Oh, come on. I'll give you the star. And then he goes into the star business and she decides that, oh, I only want this one star. And then he just ends up just caving. Look, I'll pay you. <laughs> I love the whole complete misunderstanding of how much something is, which is such a great kid thing. Mm. Like, she's so excited about $2 until she realises what is the thing she wants? A star pony. Until she realises that a star pony costs 50 bucks, And then it's like, oh, can I have 50 bucks? No, I'm not paying you 50 bucks. Why not? <laughs> well, it shouldn't be paying you at all. You should just be doing it <laughs> anyway. Well, do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a great little way to show that he knows that he shouldn't have been paying at all. He's yeah. sometimes, I think Bandit fails a little bit in yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of episodes in which Banda fails in trying to get the kids to do something he needs to do. And he goes down to bad parenting mm. stuff that he knows he shouldn't yeah. be doing. But I love how fallible yes. and, I, yeah, I just love how real, real. Banda yeah. is yeah. in this episode. Because in no other place is it more clear than when he just needs a minute. It was all going right and he stuffed up. Oh, this will be all right. This will be all right. And then he just sinks down yeah. beside the counter. Into the fetal position. And he just... Oh. And look, that moment, we've danced around it and it was used as part of a tease for uh, the second part of season two. I think uh, this is season two, episode 44. There was a montage of, you know, clips of the upcoming you know, second half of season two. And this was the one that captured a lot of attention because Bandit, basically in place of a swear word, is just going, ah, duck cake, <laughs> turned around, leaned up against the kitchen cabinets it's and then brilliant. just sort of sunk just in a, a ball of defeat. And even Bluey's reaction, I think, is really great where she goes, oh, that's not good. Like she, she's, she may not fully understand what has happened, but she goes, I can tell by dad's tone of voice. That's not good. Oh, it's such a mature moment from Bluey as well. Like, yeah. it's all been fun and games. And even though she's not doing what Bandit wants her to do, it's all fun and games because, you know, kids are supposed to misbehave. But then there's that line that yep. she realises something's changed and she's like, oh, I've got to yeah. step up here. I see that occasionally with my son where, you know, come on, Jack, let's go do this and I'm all positive and this. And then eventually, you know, he keeps pushing or he keeps doing, th don't open the fridge, mate. No, close the fridge, put the milk back, put it back where you found it. Da, da, da. And then I'm like, Jack, enough, put it back. And you see him look at me and he like slowly puts the milk back. Okay, da da dad's serious now. Even the line deliveries from Bandit are the classic, yes, mate. There's yeah. two yes, mate. yes mates. No, mate. Okay. Yeah, mate. <laughs> oh, so defeated. So, but he's just holding it together. It perhaps doesn't make a lot of sense to our international listeners, but 
mate can be anyone from you know your child who you love dearly to your worst enemy depending on how you use the word <laughs> yeah and just the, the way ben is just like no mate like you know when he's defeated so you know come on mate like that sort of thing like it's just that's a very australian thing to do i don't know you could teach it to anyone but does he even self-talk mate himself he's like you can do it you can do it i believe oh, in you no i think he talks about himself in the third person he's like come on bandit, bandit i believe in right, you like, yeah. <laughs> just geeing himself up a bit great self-talk there Coming back to that idea of the bargaining, you know, I'm not quite at the same name. He's only, you know, one in a bit, but you still get to the stage of doing, okay, well, I need my keys back and I don't want to physically take them from you because you'll get really upset. So I'll trade you. Do you want this thing? Okay. All right. All right. This thing and this thing. <laughs> Two things. Like, okay. All right. Three things. This is my final offer, kid. I will say, as I would say to Bandit, if he were here in front of me, as a single childless man, you guys, I see what you do. And you earn the right to break a few rules and not be absolutely <laughs> perfect all the time. I see I think that. That's it. Like you always sort of go, oh yeah, I don't want to be the parent who defaults to phone when stuff isn't going right. Mm. That really seems like a bit of a cop out. But then there are times when you're like, all you can I do. just need something. <laughs> just Pick your battles. <laughs> yeah. And, and honestly, I spoke a, a few episodes back about a parenting workshop that Ali and I attended and stuff. And one of the things, apart from the fact it devolved into a bluey conversation, conversation at one point which is why i shouted out on the show but one of the things they kept mentioning there was they just go 30 percent. we're like 30 percent of what 30 percent. if you can be the bandit like perfect parent for 30 percent of the time then you are doing amazing and now 30 percent doesn't sound a lot but supposedly there's studies being done and all these sorts of things where that's enough that you can form this healthy relationship with your child. And so those times where it's really hard and you're gritting your teeth or you you want to curl up in the fetal position, you just sit there and go, it's only 30%. And, you know, you just try and focus on this magic number. Now, that how you calculate that 30% is subjective, but mm -hmm. it's, you know, a little bit of advice for the parents out there who just want to scream duck cake sometimes <laughs> at their kids. <laughs> Aim for 30% and you'll be fine. Well, I don't know about you guys, but this episode made my tail wag. Uh, hey. <laughs> how about you? If I had a tail, it'd be wagging right now. If you don't have a tail, how do we know you're happy, Brendan? Ain't that the truth? <laughs> that didn't really make sense. But, you know, I, I didn't even fit it into this episode that my favorite animal is a duck. Oh, really? Yeah. How many ducks do you have, Brendan? I don't have any, but um, I love seeing them walk across the road with all their babies. That's really cute. <laughs> and when they fly, they fly in. In a triangle with all their mates mm -hmm. and when they swim they look funny and when they walk they look funny <laughs> so what more do you need ducks fly together ducks, <laughs> ducks fly, fly together, together. <laughs> man the <laughs> 90s references really uh, dates uh, this show doesn't <laughs> it like <laughs> <laughs> it really dates the people on this show <laughs> just when i thought ducks couldn't be any better they made one out of cake Best kind of duck. And on that note, thank you guys, as always, for joining us. Uh, Marty over there in Sydney, thank you. Man, it's good to chat to you. <laughs> Thanks, Brandon. Good to talk to you guys, too. And Frank, way over there at your place. <laughs> I'm usually there. You are. But couldn't be. Mm -hmm. But it's good to see you guys' faces digitally. <laughs> Good, good work there. Yep, I'm, I'm pretty good like that. <laughs> and before I get any worse, please join us next time. Aisle 300. Left of the fake grass. If you hit a flamingo, you've gone too far. Free 
edited and produced by Frank Brennan and Marty. You can follow the Hammerbahn Project on Facebook.com slash Hammerbahnproj at Hammerbahnproj on Twitter or Hammerbahn underscore project on Instagram. Theme featuring Nibblings, Kelly, Jade, Ashley and Reese and PA announcements by brother-in-law, me, Josh. Thanks for listening and remember to get down to Hammerbahn for cheap shuffles. Yeah.